Welcome to the PC Speaking Podcast series, Through the Bible in a Year, where we come together for daily reading and reflection as we journey through the scriptures. Let's dive into today's episode with Pastor Chris Miller. Good to see you. It is always an incredible blessing to be with you in the house of the Lord. And uh, it is that again. Let me just share a couple things with you to begin with. Uh, Every time I visit, God does something different. Always great. Uh, One of the things that's always a blessing is to see old faces and meet new and just see what God is doing in your lives. Uh, It's a blessing. It's absolutely a blessing to meet you, to visit with you, to fellowship, but more than that, to see what God is doing in and among you. And I'm grateful to him. I praise him for his goodness and know that our prayers are with you in the States as you just keep moving forward, honoring him, reaching those that he died for, and we will be praying for you as you do. Um, As I always do, I want to apologize. I get, when I start talking, I just get faster and probably harder to understand And you have been so gracious, even when you don't understand, you just grin and smile anyway. It's okay. But my hope today is that rather than just hearing me, that we will, as we've sang, great job, worship team, everyone, uh, the welcome team, the group that serves below. I told Chris, if we were just a little smaller, I'd find a way to work that into the program at our church. But it'd be really hard. We have about 400 people on Sunday morning. That'd be a lot of cappuccino. Uh, So anyway, um, so I think we'll just let you do that and I'll enjoy it here and we'll keep that secret amongst us. Um, I would like to thank you. Uh, Our prayers will be with you. Lord willing, if nothing happens, I'll head out on Tuesday and hit the ground running. And just know that it is our pleasure to partner with you, Uh, Chris, Christine, uh, Sam, Caitlin, Dylan. uh, They're just kind of our family. And I'm grateful to just be able to be a part of what God is, is accomplishing through them. Well, today we're going to continue. You're on your Through the Bible in a Year series, and today's memory verse is from Psalm 21. Uh, I would like to do this. I, I'm, I like to think I'm technically savvy in it, whatever, but uh, I'm, I'm an old fogey who likes doing things the way that we like doing things. Um, I hate to tell you that, but uh, I, I don't feel comfortable reading from an app, but... The version that you have will perhaps be less confusing if I do so. So I'm going to read from my app. Will you forgive me for that up front? Kind of go like that. Can God speak through apps? Of course. But anyway, um, our reading today is from Psalm 27.1. Your memory verse is verse 1. We'll circle back to that in just a moment. But I think really to, to find out why it's important, why it was chosen for you to focus on for a week, that we need to read the entire psalm. And as we do so, my prayer is that we will not just nod our heads, but that we will realize that God is speaking to us through his psalmist David years ago. It was a lesson that David had learned. We'll unpack that in just a moment that made a huge difference in his life. But God said, write it down. They're going to need it, too. And the they is you and me today. So with that in mind, we're going to read from Psalm 27, beginning verse number one. The Lord is my light and my salvation will I fear. That's your memory verse. My life, of whom will I be afraid? The second part of that verse, the the core for what we'll speak of. When the wicked came against me to eat my flesh, doesn't that sound like a children's, you know, science fiction story? They came and they ate my, that's David speaking. We'll talk about that. 
My enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army should encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I will seek after, for me to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to see the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he will hide his pavilion, and the she will hide me. He will set me upon a rock. Now my head will be lifted up above my enemies, encircling me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face far from me. Do not thrust your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in an upright path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my enemies, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. King James Version, that is, I would have fainted had I not seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And he continues to see, say, wait on the Lord. He changes and he, he leaves a message for those that would be following later to you and me. Wait on the Lord, be strong, and may your heart be stout. Wait on the Lord. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time that we spent together this morning. We thank you that you have met with us. You've already worked in our lives. And Lord, even now you're bringing your word to life and through it will speak to us. We ask you to clear our hearts, to clear our minds. Lord, I pray that you will clear the little bit of difference between my way of speaking and their way of hearing, that we will hear your voice and we will know your word for our lives this morning. Father, we thank you for the time. We just ask you now to bless. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <laughs> Let me begin by asking you a couple of questions, and I'm going to make sure this is on today. It works a little bit better that way, doesn't it? Uh, do any of you ever just find yourself in a situation that is overwhelming? Um, do, you ever, do you ever encounter something that leaves you just kind of going, whoa, what am I going to do? Now, today's sermon is not going to be a, a, a downer. It's, it's, as a matter of fact, it's, it's amazing. But to really understand the full context of what we're saying, we need to kind of step into David's, David's world and the context in which he was writing this psalm and expressing himself. Uh, in life, we will inevitably hit a wall. We will inevitably encounter things than we are. We're, never, we're inevitably going to get sick. We're inevitably going to suffer loss. We inevitably face change. We can't be five years old forever, and our five-year-olds will have their challenges. 
We can't be teenagers forever, though some of us act like it. But the simple truth is we won't be teenagers forever. And teenagers have their own challenges. And sometimes they feel so overwhelmed and they don't know what they're going to do, who they're going to marry, what they're going to do. And those challenges can be overwhelming. It may be young parents. How am I going to raise my children? How am I going to pay my bills? What am I going to do in a world that's crazy? In every stage of life, we have our challenges, don't we? Uh, I'm still a teenager. You didn't know that. But yeah, I'm just a teenager. Actually, it's probably more like a teenager. I'm getting older. And there are things that hurt that used to, I didn't even know I had. And old age has its challenges. It's not, none of you are that old, but you will get there. Just tell them, I'm telling you, there will be challenges. And here's the point I want to make. As we step into our psalm, it is great to sing the praises of the Lord, and it is great to, 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 to think of his goodness and be reminded. But when we walk out of those doors, life is real. And God wants to be a part of not just what happens in here, but he wants to walk with us out there to where we face the things that are bigger than we are. Here's what happens when often we face challenges and problems and questions wherever we are in life. Our default is to turn to ourselves and say, I've got to handle this. I know I can handle this. I know I can do. We try to talk ourselves through. We try to reach down deep and draw the reserves that we need. And that's all good, but inevitably it will not be enough. Early this morning, I've, I've called several of our people. Uh, one was a senior uh, lady. She's in her 80s, uh, sweet as can be, been in church all her life. She fell and broke her shoulder. She broke her hip. She's in a nursing facility and she's just miserable. And I called and talked to her. And she said, Darby, I know God is with me, but it just doesn't seem like it. Where is he? Do you ever feel that way? And she said, I'm trying to do my best. I'm trying to do my best, but it's just not good enough. And I, I related to that. It's there are times it's just not good enough. Uh, I, I called another family um, and we'll get to the text. I promise we won't. We'll let you out by one o'clock today. Is that OK? Uh, some of you looked at each other. Is he serious? No, no, not really. But anyway, um, I called another young family. I had two SOS messages. That's what I call them. I tell Chris, got to go. Got an SOS. Uh, May last year, their 12-year-old shot himself and killed himself. 12 years old. I didn't know them at the time, but somebody said, Darby, would you talk to this family? They don't have a pastor. And I said, of course. So even before I said, Lord, what do you say to a family like that. So we helped them through the funeral. We set up a time to counsel with them and they're faithful to the church. God's done an amazing work in their lives in this time. But in the first session, the young lady, she wouldn't mind me mentioning this to you. Her name is Ashley. Uh, she sat there just almost numb with grief and loss. And she made a statement. She said, I, 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 I know God won't put more on me than I can handle. I, I know God won't put more on me than I can handle. Uh, and she kept repeating it. To, Have any of you ever heard that? God will never put more on us than we're able to handle. And I looked at her and I told her that's not true. And it's kind of like, you know, whoa, what do you mean that's not true? I said, that's not true. You will never find that in scripture. As a matter of fact, 
what you find is when you start thinking, I can do this and I need to do, when we turn our focus to I, to me, to myself, it usually takes us to a dark place of frustration, our depression, our just pure anxiety, our fear, as we'll see in our text. And, and we don't do well like that, do we? Uh, we get overwhelmed even while we're quoting the memory verse. God, won't, God, 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 God. We, we, if we focus inward, we go to a bad place. Here's what I told the young couple. It might help you sometime too. God has told us that life would be bigger than we are. Did he not? In the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have problems. You're going to face change. And most of those situations in life are bigger than we are. It, it's okay. It's all right. If we're not big enough, strong enough, bad enough, smart enough, it is okay. Jesus said in the world, you're going to have these situations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, as we understand that truth of Jesus, it is beautifully illustrated and played out in the Psalm before us this morning. The, the, the psalmist begins by saying, the Lord is my light and he's the strength of my life. He's my salvation. And it's so great, isn't it? If we stop there, it is a great memory verse. We ought to put it on a bumper sticker and carry it on our car. We ought to begin the day with it, put it on our refrigerator, a little sticky tab and remind yourself of it. it's wonderful. But that's not all there is. It, picture it this way. I have a little granddaughter. She's five years old. She, she's going to Chinese school. You say, why? I don't know. Uh, my daughter wanted to learn Chinese. She just threw it in Chinese school. And now she blabbers. And we have no idea what she's saying, but she does. But one of the things that she enjoys doing is mem learning memory verses. She's learned all of Genesis 1, uh, Psalm 23. She's learned whole chapters of the Bible, which makes me feel very, very ignorant. Um, but imagine her learning this memory verse. Hey, Papa, the Lord is my light. He's the strength of my life and he's my salvation. And I'd put a gold star. I'd say, Eva, you did really, really good. And I would pat her on the back. That's one way that we often approach the Psalms and such great beacons of like our verse today. You can kind of picture that smile. Say, isn't that sweet? That's not what God intended this verse to do for us. It's not for a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's not for, oh, isn't that sweet? It's the opening comment for something that would be a lifeline for our lives in times of trouble. Picture this, if you will. In your life and mine, um, we find a child of God that receives an unthinkable diagnosis have any of you ever been there? You sit in the doctor's office and you pray. And then all of a sudden he says something that you don't want to hear. Then it takes on a whole new meaning. The Lord is my light and the strength of my life. He is. Do you understand? There's a difference between a five-year-old saying, oh, that's great. Yeah, no. It's so much more. Maybe when someone has hurt you deeply, I, I'm amazed that sometimes it's kind of like PTSD in counseling. When, you, when there are scenes that people have a hard time seeing beyond and it, they get stuck with those things. And 
a lot of times that happens when you've been betrayed or you've been hurt. Somebody has really deeply wounded you and you just can't get past it. All right. And when you just feel, oh, Lord, my whole life is ruined by it. But Lord, you are my light. You are the strength of my life. Lord, you are myself. There has to be something beyond those moments. Loss. There's probably not anyone in this congregation that hasn't lost someone close to you. And if not, it will happen. And when you do, when there are just no words, when your mind says, now you know where they are, right? We do. When we say, okay, it's going to be all right, and, and it will, but our heart just isn't cooperating. Any of you have been there? Here's the thing. If you haven't, you will. So prepare ahead of time. In those moments when we can't even put to words what we're struggling with, and we feel like we're lousy Christians because we're struggling, right? I should be stronger than this. I should have better faith than this. I should be, oh... And, and we really beat up on ourselves because we're focusing on I, right? I, I, I should handle this. I, I, I. God says, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. When you have hurt so deep, there are no words. I am there with you, feeling what you feel, making intercession for you with things that you can't even put words to. Romans chapter 8. Again, Lord, I just, you are my light. You are the strength of my life. You are my salvation, not just to go to heaven, but for this moment that I'm in to save me from myself and what's going on in my lives. Now, my purpose is not to discourage you. But I want to be brutally honest with you. That is a part of life. And we Christians sometimes create a false expectation of Christianity. We somehow project this. If you know Jesus, everything is going to be hunky-dory. All right. Kumbaya, my Lord. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. No. Uh-uh. If you know Jesus, some of the struggles will be more intense because we know him. Isn't that right? The enemy will turn his attack and he'll just find the button that he wants to push or the string that he wants to pull and try to mess our lives up. To those people that are human, that know the Lord but are struggling, God says, David, they need to know what you're learning. Write it. And we have our song. Now, with that in mind, I, want to, I, I struggle with what to... Whoa, that worked good. Did that wake you up? I struggle with what to uh, entitle the lesson. So we're just going to call it my Lord. But I really, after I gave it to Rachel to plug in there, I really wanted to call it my Jesus. I'll explain that in just a minute. There are three things. I, I don't see a watch back there. So I'll watch here. Make sure we get out before tomorrow. Um, three things I'd like you to notice about the verses. Number one, as we look at what David had to say, as he kind of lays it out, I want to focus on the declaration, which is the essence of our memory verse this morning. Number two, we'll spend just a moment with some discernment. I want you to understand the background that frames this, these verses. And then number three, there are some decisions, some um, directions that the psalmist gives us, and we'll talk about those. First of all, we begin in verse number one, the Lord. 
I, I know everybody knows the Lord. You read it from Genesis to Revelation, but you need to focus in order to unlock the whole truth of the psalm. You need to focus on the particular word. Now, if you happen to have an old King James Bible, like I'm, I'm, I'm old, I hate to change. And that's what I use. Um, I do use other versions because I think you can understand them sometimes better. But in the King James, you find capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Okay, in other versions, you don't find the distinction. But what that tells us, it is the Old Testament name that is the personal, unbelievable, exalted name of God in the Old Testament. Jehovah or Yahweh, depending on who you're looking to. It means the ever-present one. It means the God, the eternal one. It is the name that was so holy that Jewish scribes would not even, they had to bathe before they could even address it and begin to write it in the scriptures. It was, it was that lofty idea of this. And, and, and the idea is a God who always is, always will be. When Moses was asking, when I go see Pharaoh and he says, who sent me? Who am I going to tell him? I mean, just that I was talking to a bush and the bush said, let my people go. And you remember what God said. No, no, no. Don't tell them the bush said anything. They'll think you're crazy. Tell them I am sent you. I am. That's a weird name. No, it's the one who always was, always is, and always will be. It's the one who is beyond time, the one who inhabits eternity. It's the God of creation. It is the personal God of all the ages, Jehovah God. And when we read David writing the Lord, he's saying Jehovah, the ever-present one. But there's something more than that. In the New Testament, when you unpack that word, what you find is Jesus, when he came into the world, on numerous occasions, really ruffled feathers, right? I mean, he just loved to stir the pot a little bit and get people, the wrong people excited. And on various occasions, he would say, I am, remember? I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. I am is with you in the boat. I am. And sometimes you just say, I am and not finish it. And they were, in, oh, they were infuriated. They picked up stones on different occasions to, to, to destroy him, to kill him. When they accused him at the end of his life, one of the accusations is he claimed to be the I am of the Old Testament. Jehovah. And I think Jesus just looked at him and smiled, said, well, duh, I've healed the sick. I've raised the dead. I'm fixing to break the chains of death and come back to life. Who do you think I am? But they were just so religious. They just didn't get it. But here's the point for you. The Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah Yahweh of David in our text is none other than Jesus. He's saying, my Jesus. He didn't know him by name but he knew him personally. So what we're reading in our text that David capitalized on, that David wrote was unpackaged more as time went on, more as Jesus came, more as we had the New Testament. And the simple truth is everything that David found in his Lord is ours in Jesus. My Jesus, my Lord. We find not only the word for Jehovah, but we find then a little word that makes a huge difference, M-Y, my. 
You say, why is it significant? Because you got to understand it denotes a connection, personal relationship. David said, he is mine. Jesus is mine. Jehovah is mine. And because he is mine and I am his, everything else is relevant. If that is not true, nothing else is. Let me ask you a question. Just have a little fun. It wasn't in my notes. So Rachel just grinned. We'll take a detour here. Can you say Jesus is my Savior, my God, my Lord? Now, before you can do that, let me just ask you, do you remember when you trusted Christ as your personal Savior? You say, Brother Darby, I I go to church. I believe in God. It's all fine. No, 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 no. It's just kind of like saying, uh, when is your birthday? Everybody here could tell me your birthday, right? Some of you like to forget, but we still know when we were born. Okay. You say, Brother Darby, I don't remember. Then you were hatched. Okay. We all had a birthday. We all had to be here today. Uh, We began life somewhere. Now, here's the point. Jesus said the relationship we have with him is like being born into the family of God. We become a child of God. It's being born again, a new birth. My question for you, where were you when you recognized and finally understood you were lost, that Jesus died for him and you trusted him as your savior? Do you remember where it was? Do you remember when it was? Not necessarily the date on the calendar, but is it clear in your mind? And here's why I ask. You say, could I forget? It's possible. But I would just simply say, if you don't remember when you met Jesus as your personal Savior, you better check that out. See, Pastor Chris, we need a personal relationship. And a personal relationship begins at a point in time when, by faith, we accept Jesus into our life as our Savior. And then everything that God is begins at that moment. We are dwelt by the Spirit of God. We become children of God forever. God stays with us. We'll never leave nor forsake us. Everything changes. But here's the point. If you have not had that moment Maybe God's prepared you. Maybe you've learned. Maybe he's drawn you to this very day. If you haven't had that moment when the God of all the ages, Jesus Christ, has become your personal Savior, then that has to happen before any other truth becomes real. You need him as your Savior today, and you can have him. The gift of eternal life is presented to you in Jesus. So I just encourage, if you don't know Christ, if you wonder about it, if you have doubts, see the pastor, see one of your teachers here that you have confidence in. Don't don't continue life until you can say, the Lord is my. Make sure he's yours. That a personal relationship has been established and that you have that God in your life to lean upon, to rely upon, to make the difference day and night. The Lord is my light. John in chapter one says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. Okay. Life without Jesus is a life of darkness. It's a life of stumbling from one decision to the next, doing the best you can. But we've already established, right, that our best is not good enough. So if you're on your own, you're just kind of like walking in the dark through life, hoping for the best. But let me ask you a question just out of curiosity. If we just today had a little exercise and decided, let's see how well we do walking in darkness. Let's just close our eyes and walk for 10 minutes around this auditorium. I would actually watch you and video it because it would be great. Uh, The funniest home videos or church videos or whatever. Uh, I used to be a youth director. Youth directors are a little crazy, you know. Uh, You have to be. Um, 
But I dreamed up this game called Faith Races. I said, I'm going to illustrate walking by faith. So we had all the young people at a campground in Florida, trees everywhere. And I said, let's pair up. And they all got into pairs. And I said, let's put one, a blindfold on one person. And they did. And said, the other person is the voice of God. That was stretching a little bit. I said, here's the point. We're going to learn to walk by faith. We're going to, we had an obstacle course around the whole campground. And I said, you can't see where you're going. So you have to listen to the voice right beside you that can see. And the team that finishes the course first wins. It's a great idea, right? Well, yeah, sort of. We had another idiot youth director who decided he could run without listening to his partner. It just illustrates don't do life without God, okay? We can't see where we're going in the dark. We said, ready, get set, go. Big old guy started running full blast. And his partner was left way over there like, wait, what? We do that with God, don't we? We run full blast. We dive into life. We solve problems. We do all the things we can do. And what inevitably happens, well, I'll tell you what happened to him. He was running full speed, blindfolded, and he straddled a tree. It's just like a cartoon. He hit it, and then he just peeled himself down. We thought we was going to have to call an ambulance. Thankfully, he's alive. He was a preacher. He had a hard head, so I guess that was okay. But the point was made for them. It's critical if you're walking by faith that you listen to the voice you can't see. And when we walk in darkness, we inevitably, we're going to hit a tree. We're going to fall in a hole. We're going to stumble. In him, my savior is my light. He gives me wisdom. He guides me through the unknown. He helps me face a life that's far more complex than me, but he's the one who designed the principles that we ooh and awe over when we discover them and unlock them. That is my God, my Savior. He's mine. He's my light. He is my salvation. Yes, I've been saved. That counts. But he's saving me today, right? And he's going to keep saving me tomorrow, not so that I can go to heaven. He's saving me from myself. He's saving me from the circumstances of life. The apostle Paul said he saved me and he does save me now. And he's going to keep on saving me day by day by day by day by day until one day he saves me ultimately and takes me to heaven. That is my savior. That was David's savior. I don't know when David trusted the Lord and met his savior, but I do know that David's coming through a tough place in his life. And he says, that's, that's my God. He's there to help me and show me how to live. The Lord is my savior. The Lord is my light. And the Lord is the strength of my life. Very interesting phrase. And we'll keep on going. I know you didn't want a Bible lesson. Sorry. But it's so wild. Um, drinks. Uh, we usually think of Dylan. You know, lifts automobiles, one on each hand, you know, something like that. I do the same thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> No, I lift a fork. I'm really good at it. But anyway, um, the word strength is not the word typically used for that kind of strength. The word literally means a refuge, a stronghold, a place of safety, like a fort, if you will, or a fortress. The, the psalmist was saying, 
My God that gives me light and shows me how to live, my God that saves me and keeps saving me from myself and from the life around me, my God is the place I can go to that is absolutely fortified from the struggles and the enemies of life. He is the place in my life that when I immerse myself in it, everything is okay. All of that in his Savior. There is something in our text. I won't read all the verses. I think I put a list here. I want you to understand the background. As the psalmist is writing, verse number one, he says, Of whom shall I fear? Remember that? Of whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be? It's kind of like saying, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. But the more people tell me they're not going to be afraid, I kind of figure out what? They're afraid. Here's the one I like. Afraid, that, that sounds too juvenile. I love this one. Brother Darby, I'm just not going to worry about it. Oh, no, I'm not going to worry. So we say, I'm just going to be concerned. I'm just going to think about it. And we think, and we think, and we think, and we think, and drive ourselves crazy, all right? The psalmist is saying, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not gonna. And then he talks about, the, you kept my enemies from eating my flesh. Oh, yeah, he's having a great day, right? People out there just trying to. He, he, you read through the verses. Here's the list I have. Verse number two, my foes and my enemies eat up all my flesh. Verse three, an army wars against me. Verse number five, in the time of trouble. Verse number 12, they're enemies. They're false witnesses. They're trying to devour me. Oh, he's having a great day, right? Kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. Yeehaw, this is great. Praise the Lord. No. The verse that we begin with that circles back at the ending is birthed in that moment when David knew his Lord and knew the truth, but he needed to be personally reminded for it to be a reality in his life, right? It needed to become the reality rather than the stuff around him. It needed to be the truth that he ultimately stood on rather than truths that were perceived that were leading him to dark places. So with that in mind, we come to our last thought. There is just a discernment. There were some desires. David had three of them, and I'm just going to give them to you quickly, and we'll wrap it up. He says, number one, verse number three, Lord, I want to have confidence in you. Now, that sounds reasonable, and it is. Let me just kind of unpack it quickly. Uh, my definition for faith, we just finished a passage or, uh, on Wednesday nights at my church. We just finished a series from Hebrews 10 through 12, and that's the, the faith's hall of fame. I believe, personally, a good shoe leather definition for faith is just confidence in God. Okay, uh, There are many, many more spiritual ways of describing it. But when we have faith in God, very simply, it, my faith is directly proportionate to my confidence in him. When I don't have confidence in them, then my faith wavers. And so I really believe personally what David was praying is, God, help me to have faith in you when everything around me is screaming so loud, I almost forget you. Help me to have confidence that whatever I'm facing that's bigger than I am won't be bigger than you are. God, I want to live my life daily hand in hand with you and you be the reality that whatever I face, it's going to be okay because while it's bigger than me, it's not bigger than you. Do you remember the story of David when he showed up on the battlefield and Goliath had been screaming for 40 days? 
big old guy. Literally, they say when Goliath stomped the ground, the whole ground trembled. The mountain was shaken. I mean, he's quite a guy, nine or 10 feet tall, just incredible. And when David got there, all the men of war had dug a hole and were hiding in the hole. You could just see the eyeballs poking out over the top of the hole. You're like, huh. David said, hey, guys, where are you? And they said, David, no, you're going to get us killed. David said, why are you guys down there? The battlefield's over here. David, and here's what happened. I'd love to preach the whole sermon, but I won't. You can read it later today. Those mighty men of battle, strong warriors, even men of God, they had for 40 days become so fixated on a giant that their whole life was determined by that bozo, Goliath, right? They forgot about their families. They forgot about their futures. Their whole life was the giant. All they could see was the giant. All they could do is just trying to get away from the giant. And you remember what David said when he came before the giant? The giant said, ah, look at this little runt. Look at, ah, man, look at, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feed you the birds, boy. And David said, hey, Mr. Goliath, sir, you're forgetting something. You're not fighting me. It's you versus my God. And buddy, you are going down. You know the story. One little rock found its mark. Giant came tumbling down. David took the giant sword, picked that big old thing up, cut the giant's head off. I love Bible stories. True. Cut it off. Held it up. Jack-o'-lantern. And the other men jumped out of the trenches, ran into battle. It was a great victory for the people of God. What was the difference? It wasn't David's might. It was David's God. And when he saw his God, the giant didn't matter anymore. When we see our God and have confidence in his reality more than seeing the problem around us and be drawn into the things that are bigger than we are, it changes our whole life, right? Whether it's a diagnosis, a relationship, a change, a challenge, a failure, a personal failure, our confidence, our faith in God. When he becomes real, changes everything. Number two, there was not just a confidence in the Lord that he prayed for, but he, there, was, there was clarity. He said this one thing. I won't read the verse. We're about out of time, and thank you for your patience. He said, this one thing have I desired, that I can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What that means is we're just going to stay here all day in church. It's great. The house of the Lord forever. Uh, no, I know it seems like it's already been forever. It really hasn't. Let me unpack that one for you. David was speaking of the temple. The temple was the place in all the world where he could go, where anyone could go, and that's where God met man, right? David was saying, I will stay here. I will stay right here. I want to see the beauty of God. I want to be protected by these walls. I want to be in a place where my own failings and my own misgivings won't mess me up. That happened a lot in David's life, right? He said, I want to stay. I want to stay in this place because in this place, I am perfectly okay. That's what he was really saying. I want to stay so close to God every moment of my life because when I do, everything else fades away. 
and life is okay. Well, that tabernacle was destroyed, but we've got a better than that, a better truth than that. Bible says that in the New Testament, that when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, he moves into our life. And guess what? We become living tabernacles. That means we don't have to go anywhere. The God that David wanted to stay close to lives with us and will never leave nor forsake us. I'll throw this two cents in there. Why do we gather on Sundays and other times? Because not only do we have him living within, but we have him walking amongst us where two or three are gathered together in his name. There's a presence in the, of God that we need desperately that becomes real to us. David was saying, I want to live in the reality of the closeness of your presence. It changes everything. Confidence, Lord, I want to have faith in you. I want to be more aware of your reality than the problems around me. Clarity, Lord, I want to dwell with you. I want to live with you. I want to stay with you. Because when I'm with you, nothing else matters quite the same. And then there's one final thing, and we'll just mention it. He made a steadfast commitment. There are four things that he says, and I'll, I'll just mention them and you can click them off with me and we'll close. The first thing he said is, I will stay. This one thing I have desired, I will dwell, I will stay. He said, God, I let, let me just throw this in there. Speaking with one of you before the service this morning and you were dead on a comment that you made. Sorry, I had the conversations kind of molded together. I can't remember who. It is not enough to sit here and say, I want God to be real in my life. I want God to bless me. I want my life to fill in the blank. It is not enough. You can want it all day long and leave without it. You do know that, right? It's kind of like me saying, I want to be back there by my laptop. And I keep saying, I want to be by my laptop, but if my feet are going this direction. That didn't happen. Chris, I don't know about you in counseling. <laughs> I have people tell me all the time, I want this, brother. I want a good life. I want God to bless me. And they say they want it, the best of intentions, but their direction is the exact opposite. We don't get where we want to go. We get where our choices take us. Do you understand that? So David said, I don't just want those things, but I commit to doing something about it. I can't do it all, but I can do something and I'll do my part. And if I, if I just do what God asks, then God will be my God and everything will be okay. So what did he say he would do? Number one, I will stay. I'm going to, I'm going to, Lord, I want you to be in my life. I'm going to dwell in your presence. I will make an effort every day to begin it with you, to talk to you, to let you in and end it with you. Will we do that? I'm thankful you're here today, but if all you get of the Lord is Sunday morning, you're, you're missing out. Your daily devotions, plug them, they're great. Spend that time with God, not just to get smarter, but to spend time with him. I will stay in the presence of my God. Number two, I will sing and praise. He says it two or three times. I won't belabor the point. When we sing here, sing with them. When you leave, sing. When you get down, start singing. I surrender all. Oh, the love of God is so great. Sing whatever song you let your singing and your praise bring the reality of your God into your moment. And it will push the darkness back out where it's supposed to be because he is, after all, light, right? I will sing. Will you?
said, Brother Darby, I can't sing good. He didn't say that. I will sing really, really good so God will really, really bless me. No, just sing and see what happens. I will stay in the presence of the Lord. I will sing and let his presence come into my life on a moment-by-moment basis. I will seek his face. He says, Lord, you told me to seek your face, and my heart agrees. I will seek you. What does that mean? It just means in every moment to try to turn the stuff off around us and say, God, you're here. I'm a little warped. Y'all, y'all probably have figured that out. I have to talk out loud sometimes. Do you? Maybe it's just me. When I'm going down the road, I just talk to God like, hey, God, this is good. you know, like he's riding in the car with me. He said, Darvey, you've lost it. Probably. But I need I need to be aware of a God who's always with me. But I don't always realize that. Right. When I pray, I often pray out loud. Not that I think God has to hear it because he's not hard of hearing, but because I need to hear it. And in the process, it brings him to me. And the idea very simply is to, in the moment, turn from whatever demands our attention. Have any of you ever in maybe gotten up in the night, walking through your house and and hit something with your foot that you didn't plan on hitting? Any of you had that wonderful experience? Stub your toe or your foot. I did that on the beach this week. I said, oh, I'm thankful I'm not in the emergency room, but oh, it hurts. For that moment, you're not really aware of anything but the pain, right? The world is still spinning. I'm still on the Gold Coast. It's still wonderful. God's still good. But for just a moment, ah, that hurts. Pain does that. Problems do that. We're back where we started. And rather than being drawn to that which demands and screams for our attention, David said, I will seek your face. I will see you looking at me. I will try to put a smile on your face by what I choose and what I do, what I say. God, I will live understanding that your look is upon me all the time, and that will become the reality of my life. I will stay with him. I will sing his praise, making him more real. I will seek his face. And finally, I will see, verse number 13, I would have fainted, he said, if I had not seen your goodness in the land of the living. Can I ask you to do something? Y'all are an amazing church, and I'm pretty well through. When you come to church, ask God, God, give me five things to praise you for this morning in church. I'm just going to start looking for them. Pastor Chris, doesn't he look dapper today? Got that little hanky there. I'm grateful for my pastor. I got a better one. Christine, I'm grateful for my pastor's wife. Healthy, doing great. God's been good. I could take you one by one. Thoroughly enjoyed your picking and playing this morning again. Band, find something to say, God, thank you. God, you're good. God, I will see God's goodness in the land of the living. My son sings a song even louder. I've heard it on your radio station here. It says, even if the drums stop beating, I will keep on singing even louder. And part of it is, Lord, I'm going to keep singing until I see your goodness in the land of the living. It comes right from this verse. On the worst day, the most difficult time, if we will just look for it, we'll see those little rays of God's grace and goodness. But we have to look for them, right?
They're there. If all we see are the giants, the problems, the difficulties, the darkness, then it's because we're looking in the wrong place. David said, Lord, I will look for you. I will see you. And even in my darkest, most difficult moment, it will make things okay because the Lord is my light. You're guiding me through the darkness. And the Lord is my redeemer, my savior. Lord, you're going to keep saving me from myself as well as the world around me. Lord, you're the place I go to. The strength, the fortress of my life that keeps me alive and keeps me going. You, my Lord, my God, my Jesus, are all I need. I just simply live. I need to live in the reality of that truth. If you've never trusted him, today is the day it starts. He offers you a gift. So let's begin to walk today. I'll be your God and I'll never leave. You can say all these things and claim them for your truth, but it begins with your relationship with me. If you don't know that, sit your pastor. Ask someone you trust. For those of you that know the Lord today, thank you for being so gracious listening to me. But more than that, thank you for listening to him. He wanted to remind you through a man who had great highs and great lows of a truth that was life-changing for him that I think will help us along the way as well. Thank you for joining us today on the PC Speaking Podcast. Tune in tomorrow for another episode of Through the Bible in a Year. If you have found this helpful, please follow the podcast and share it with a friend. It is our hope and prayer that every episode helps enrich your relationship with God and His Word. Stop beating, my soul will keep